This is episode 13 of The Creative Outsiders, and I'm your host, Siobhan Hill. The Creative Outsiders is a collective of women storytellers that aim for a sisterhood through a community that provides professional development for emerging filmmakers. Simply put, we want to show you it's possible to live your filmmaking dreams. And today I have the pleasure of talking to Jennifer Heslop. And Jennifer has had 20 plus years of project management experience in the arts, media, and entertainment and has worked, partnered, and collaborated with several organizations, including Museum of Impact, Susan Batson Studio, MTV, VH1, WLBS radio stations, Real Sisters Film Festival, to name a few. She is currently in her third year as film coordinator for the Real Sisters Film Festival. She is an arts consultant to new and transitioning entrepreneurs about business development, brand identity, and action strategies. Jennifer also presents the Motivate Art Lecture Series, an informational series educating artists and creatives on effective business practices. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much. So excited to finally connect with you. I know. I said, uh, well, I meant to say it before we got on. I feel like we were um, going back and forth, and I'm so happy that you were safe um, in the weather because you transitioned from New York to being in Florida and you survived your first hurricane. (laughs) Yes. Well, I said, I said to myself, I'm either supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be here. So yes, uh, quickly, uh, I think I've been here three months and I think the first month and a half, the hurricane happened. So yeah, Yeah, it's been interesting. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, even though I'm in Virginia, we do get it because we're like on the coast, but it is like the worst thing ever to try to prepare for because it's all of these reports like it might hit you it might not hit you so you're always in limbo yeah and and the media is so interesting because from new york a lot of people were really panicked calling me and i was just like what are you guys hearing over there that we're not hearing here and so over there you know i think in new york everybody was just like oh my gosh what's happening and they started giving information to them that was kind of scaring them. And so it was just, yeah, but thank God, thank you, God. I have a, a friend who have, had me stay in Weston with her and it was fine. We made it. A couple of hiccups, a little stuff, but it's okay. God is good. Yeah. And you survived. <laughs> so now you're officially a Florida. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I have been in New York since 1987. It's only been three months. I am a New Yorker. Take it easy. <laughs> Everybody keeps trying to do that. I'm like, stop yeah. it. Wait. I know. I was like, I can't wait to say that. And I knew because uh, one of my best friends is from uh, New York and she moved to Philadelphia not so long ago. So I said, oh, you're a Philly girl now. She's like, no, not. not. <laughs> Like, wait a minute. (laughs) I'll tell you. Oh, that is so funny. So this is always our initiation kind of question for the Creative Outsiders podcast. So why the entertainment industry? What drew you to become the, as I like to call it, connecting the dots for creatives on the business end? So I was born to a singer and a dancer. My father's a singer. My mother was a dancer. She also took up nursing, um, also ended up being a saleswoman. 
um, a shoe saleswoman, but essentially I've always been around that type of energy. I have two siblings. My sister, her name is Princess. She had a gold record many years ago called Samuel Number One. And so my family energy and the people that we've always been around have been really eclectic, artistic, creative people. So I understand that temperament. And so for me, um, when I thought about going to college, I initially wanted to get an English degree. I I got my bachelor's degree in English because I wanted to be a writer. I found that talking to people, even as a kid, as an I can get adults to kind of tell me stuff and talk to me. So I thought a writer would be what I wanted. And I took my uh, minor in media studies because I've always been compelled by the media and the influence on people and consumers. Um, So I just, I came here from Trinidad. I lived in Trinidad for many years of my life. And uh, while I was in Trinidad, everything I read was essence or ebony. And so somewhere along the line, I decided to, uh, that I wanted to work for a black owned company. And so I came here, I did my last year in high school, I went to college. And then after college, I tried to intern, not knowing how it worked in America, that essentially you should intern Mm -hmm. while you're in college. So I I called up Essence and they said no. And then I ended up at WBLS, WLIB, which is a radio station. And I interned there. And from there, just kind of led on to... um, you know, once you're in one leg of the entertainment industry, you kind of end up following all, all those things are kind of linked together. So um, it's a long story, but essentially everywhere that I've wanted to be, I've gotten to be. So me ending up at VH1 and MTV was because I was working at a PR company and someone came in and he was actually an assistant, but he was also an assistant art director and I found out he was getting paid like $150 a day. And I thought that mm-hmm. was like huge. And one day he said to me, do you want a PA? And I said, sure. And at that time, I was a very physical person. I had no issue being a physical person and picking up garbage and moving benches and chairs and doing whatever it took. And that's how I started. And from there, someone saw that I worked really, really hard. And someone in production and on-air promos at MTV said to me, do you think you'd like to be a junior coordinator? And I said, sure. And that's how I ended up in that. So entertainment has just been something that I was supposed to be part of. It makes sense to me. I understand the personalities of the people. Um, I tend to be a little bit, because of my mother, I think the line of creative and business Mm -hmm. is very easy for me because I had a mother who was doing both. You know, my mom was a dancer. And as soon as she found, was became pregnant with me, she became very, very practical and started doing becoming a home health aide and selling shoes. And so I understand that balance and necessity of, okay, you want to be creative, but how are you going to make a living? And so I started my company based on trying to, to kind of um, streamline that for creative people to make them not be so afraid of the possibilities of having a creative head, but also being able to kind of control your financial destiny when it comes to your career and your absolutely you have so many good gems and i'm gonna to have to rewind because you gave so much good information i'm over here like <laughs> no wait but no um so you started out at the radio station because you weren't you didn't know how it worked here you didn't know that you really needed to intern at first so 
Yeah. Then you were yeah. able to transition into MTV BH1 because you worked hard. Like your work ethic obviously got the attention of people around you. And then you continue to work your way up. So a lot of questions that women ask that follow the creative outsiders is, okay, so I get my foot in the door, but how did, how were you able to then become the production manager? And for those who don't know, explain what a production manager does. Well, I'll tell you how it's, my situation, I almost think it's kind of magical in terms of magical and uh, in a way that I wish I had been more strategic. I wasn't very strategic. And what I tell people now in my business, especially when I meet younger people, is be more strategic. I was kind of very naive. And because I was introduced to the industry by someone seeing how hard I worked, I just worked hard. I wasn't necessarily looking for the next step. So from P- from junior coordinator, I became a coordinator, right? Because junior coordinator essentially meant that I was under the, um, how do I say, under the caretaking to a certain degree of the coordinator. So no matter what, if anything went wrong, the coordinator would take the hit. But as a junior coordinator, I was kind of assisting and growing and learning in that position. It didn't take long for me to understand what that meant. So I became a coordinator. Um, I worked for many years uh, freelancing. I, for on-air promos was the only time at MTV that I was actually staff. Um, I had a situation happen. And as you know, many things happen when you're working in the business structure. See, a lot of people get really excited about the idea of MTV and TV and film, but it is a business structure. So you may be able to, I have a nose ring and tattoos and all of that, and you may be able to go to work with sneakers on, but the structure is a business structure. So I had a couple of situations that weren't necessarily so pleasant and I left and I came back as a freelancer. So I left as a coordinator and went to audio engineering school. My story is really interesting and complicated, but I went online and I was looking for work again. And I, I had had many years working at MTV and I was comfortable doing that. So I found, you know, one of these um, sources where you can find jobs. And I saw this job for, for uh, mm-hmm. it was for MTV two. And I decided to come back as a production manager. That's how I became a production manager. I decided that I knew what to do. So it's a very small difference between a coordinator and a manager. And um, if you understand the structure of hierarchy, right, essentially the manager, mm-hmm. it's like your PA is the person on the ground. And then the coordinator is the person that manages that, all, all of the people on the ground, essentially. And then the production manager manages the coordinator who's managing all the people on the ground. Now, Mm -hmm. it may be much deeper than that, but essentially when you're looking at the hierarchy is then you start looking at your line producer and then you start looking at the producer and executive producer. You start it's on a real business structure level, because for me, Motivate Art is about really showing creative people like, listen, all creative industries still have a basic business structure and there is always a hierarchy and the hierarchy, the basics of that mm-hmm. hierarchy is somebody is managing somebody else. So as a production manager, I actually ended up doing coordinator 
coordinated position things, which was um, hiring or managing my PAs. I was doing T&Es. I was doing um, scout locating. I was, you know, I was doing being very hands on. For me, the difference in being a budget, a production manager is I created the budget. So I go in and they tell me, Jan, we have a, a million dollar per budget for this, you know, this project that we're working on, this video series that we're we're doing. And I go into the system. Um, truthfully, I can't remember the name of the program, but I'm, I'm sure every film person mm-hmm. uses this program. And I plug in the numbers. And that was the difference from coordinator to production manager. As a coordinator, the budget was already in place for me. And I was just facilitating things. So it's like, okay, Jennifer, as a coordinator, I need you to hire some PAs. So I already know this is the budget. This is how much I'm going to, they already tell me the line number. And I go and I hire these PAs based on that line number. For production manager, I had to know the numbers, know what I was working at, and manipulate the numbers myself. I had to create the budget and then I had to reconcile the budget. That was the difference for me because when I came in as a production manager, I was also working on a small team. So it was myself, um, two, uh, two cameras who were also doing editing. So they were doing post and they were doing, Mm -hmm. they were doing, you know, uh, the actual production and shooting, and then they would do post-production And so I was the everything person, essentially. And I came back deciding that I knew what I needed to do as a production manager. So I decided that my value was what a production manager was coming in. When I was a coordinator, I was getting Mm -hmm. paid at that time, maybe 250 for the day. And when I came Mm -hmm. back, I took a hiatus for about a year or two. And I came back and I said, okay, I'm a production manager and I want 350 for per day. And I got it because I knew that I knew, I just knew that I knew what I was doing. And the title can be intimidating if you're not on the end. If you are in as a production coordinator, or if you're at on any level and your intention is to get higher and higher in, in the hierarchy, you should be studying all of the elements that mm-hmm. are involved. Even as a PA, I'd hang out with the coordinators. And then for a moment, I thought that I would want to do audio because I had done audio engineering at the radio station. So I would hang out with the sound guys if I could. And then I thought the art department was pretty cool. So I'd hang out there too. I didn't have a plan, but I knew that I wanted to be where I was comfortable. So from coordinator to production manager made sense to me because I'm good at that. I'm good at putting (laughs) the pieces together. So that's how I became a production manager. Mm-hmm. And if I, yeah, if I'm, be, I'll be honest with you. Had I been more strategic, I could have been a line producer. I could have, I could have moved up. Two things. So you said most people don't know how to be strategic, but then also like, we don't recognize don't that the film industry, even being a creative, whatever aspect you're in. It's still a business. I really think that we forget that. I mean, even when you said it, I had to remind myself, like, you're absolutely right. This is a business still. And you have, well, hindsight is always twenty twenty. But when you say that you weren't strategic, what does that mean? Someone is so funny. Someone asked me the other day, what would you tell your teenage self, right? What would you tell your younger self? And it's always been be more strategic. Like when you're younger, you don't know. But as a, as a certain time, when you start figuring out, when you come out of college, you find your first job. If you're lucky enough, I've always been lucky enough and blessed enough to be able to fall into the situations that I've wanted. 
when I got into MTV, I'd actually applied for MTV at least five times before in, in um, more administrative positions, and I was never hired. I walked away from it, ended up at a PR company, and then ended up going through getting into door by being a PA. So, and still then I wasn't strategic because all I cared about was I wanted to be at MTV. And a friend of mine says, what's the big deal? It's only MTV. There are a number of different production Mm -hmm. companies in New York. It's not like you have to work for MTV. So I let it go because it just wasn't happening. And when I got in, I still didn't have a plan. And so being strategic happens when you realize that this is the place you really want to be and not necessarily in that company, but in that position, in that industry, you find a joy in it. Um, and as a creative person, I think, cause I, I, I straddle the line between creative and business. I am a creative person as well, but yeah. we tend to, the creative side of me tends <laughs> to fall into it. You know, it's just like, Oh, I want to express myself. And, and then what, you know, and what ends up right. happening is to pay for that creativity, you have to end up getting a job. So, right. and it may not be in the in creative industry. So the smart thing to do would be to would be to find the alignment between your creative expression and getting paid for it. And had I been more strategic and, and understanding that this is my maybe where I want to be, not ever forever, because I do think creative people express themselves right. in many different ways. So you may not always want, I've never been the person who wants to be at a job for 10 years. That's just not you know, I've done uh, music PR, I've done radio production, I've done television production, I've been a writer and been published, I've done a bunch of things, because that, that I need. But I was with, many, with MTV with so many years that if I had seen the layout, paid attention to the layout and where I fit in mm-hmm. to it, I never looked at where I fit into it. I was just happy doing the job because I liked doing it, but I didn't pay attention to where this industry could use a Jennifer. I didn't pay attention to where my voice and my abilities could get me somewhere else. I didn't have a plan. And and what's interesting is I did land where I was supposed to land, even though it wasn't necessarily in film and it's not necessarily in radio and it's not necessarily in PR, but everything I've done and all of my experiences have allowed me to create Motivate Art to be able to help people like you or to give advice to people like, okay, this is what I've done and this is what I didn't do. And if you want to be, if you want to be successful in this thing, have a plan and don't wait till you're in your thirties. Don't wait till you're, you know, because I think that's another thing. And not to say that we have to um, become very, very serious in our twenties, but the truth is technology um, is about the youth truthfully is. And the world, you know, the future, and this sounds corny, but the now is about youth, youth energy. So it is, it is you guys that are moving and influencing things. And the truth is the older heads take are taking and making money off of mm-hmm. that. If you go into MTV, at least when I was there, it was mostly people from NYU interning from NYU and then graduating and, and, and working from NYU. They, they, they know the plot very quickly. They were like interning and then they'd get the job and everybody was young. Everybody was young. And by the time I left, yeah. they were lined. Well, I'll say 
PMs that were in their mid twenties. They got the plan. What do you say to people who are just starting? And it might not be the traditional, like, okay, I want to go work for MTV, but okay, I want to start my own production company, or I really want to be serious about being a screenwriter. What is one suggestion that you have for them? Listen, I would say the first thing I always tell anybody is you're not actually starting over. Don't Mm -hmm. ever think you're starting over because that's, excuse my language, but that's a mind F that we do to ourselves. And that is basically a, um, a, a mindset that it's told to you. So you're constantly feeling that you have to start at the bottom to get up, right? right? Because we are trained, even in businesses, we're told, you you know, go into the mailroom first and start from the bottom. And, And so every time that we transition into another expression, right? Because we're creative people at the end of the day, if you're trying, so you may have expressed yourself by doing graphic design. Now you think maybe you want to translate into animation. Maybe now you want to do shorts. Maybe you want to do documentaries. May You know, whatever it is that you're about to do, or maybe you're a jewelry designer who now wants to do film. It, whatever you're doing, you're not starting over. Every single thing you've done in every single position comes to the table with everything that you're doing all the time. There's nothing that I haven't done in my experiences that doesn't show up in my conversation now. So if you decide that you want to start your own production company, take all of the elements of learning how to work for people, learning how to become organized. Whenever you're working at anybody's job or anybody's company, or even on your own, there's certain basic business structures that have to be in place. It does not matter the industry. So if you start looking at the bottom line very, very quickly of like, okay, I need to be organized. Okay. I might need a budget. Okay. Might need to get interns. Okay. I need to have a plan. Um, Maybe I need a business plan. Maybe I need to find out, maybe I need to get a little bit more educated. Um, Maybe go back to, you know, get a certificate in something. Maybe I need to get a loan. Maybe I need to do crowdfunding. Whatever these things are, you've probably experienced them in some way, in some other Mm -hmm. position in your life. Bring them to the table. Never start with this, oh my God, I'm starting over and I have to like kowtow and be, no, because that messes you up into thinking, oh my God, I'm too old to start over. Oh my God, I'm too this. Oh my God, I don't have enough connections or Once you start doing that, you've zeroed yourself out. Just think of yourself, okay, this is another path I'm about to take. How am I about to take this path? And what in my past or in my network do I have right now that can facilitate some of Mm -hmm. this new transition? Because no matter what you're going to do, you're probably going to access those people that you've met along the way. Somewhere along the line, you have met a filmmaker. You have met someone who does editing. You have met somebody who's going to college who's like, oh my God, I love film and I'd love to work with you and help you. You've met these people. So you're not starting over. You're just utilizing all of the knowledge and experience that you've had to open another door. Why do you think (laughs) that once we... Um, make up in our mind and say, hey, okay, I'm going to be serious about this. I'm going to pursue whatever part of the industry that I want to be in. Why is it then so hard for us as creatives 
to look at ourselves as a business because I was just doing a little bit of research and I looked at um, some of the different programs or lecture series that you offered. And one of the things that you said was like recognizing ourselves as a brand. Like, why do we struggle with being able to brand ourselves as creatives? Because I'll be honest, I absolutely do. Like, if you go and look at my Instagram, like my personal one is just falling off a little bit. But then my professional one, like it's consistent, but I still don't necessarily think of myself as a brand. So why do you think that's an issue for us? Um, I think a couple reasons. I think we've kind of been sold on the starving artist thing in a weird way. We, I, I, you know, and I think this. I, I think we feel like there's some kind of watering down of your um, of your art, whatever that is, right? Um, of your art once you start making money and once you put, start putting a number to it. Once you start putting a number to it there's this feeling that you've sold out in some way or you've, you know, you've now the passion and the hard work and the, the, you know, ingenuity that went into, you know, creating and the skill and the love of it, it feels lessened for some reason. Um, I, 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 you know, I always say to artists like, okay, if you are a great painter, do you want people to see your work or you don't? Would you like to be a painter in the attic and have all of your work, you know, just stay up there and you're, you know, you're eating bread and butter forever because you're starving and it, it brings out pain and, you know, it brings out so much passion in your artwork. Okay, that sounds good. Are you okay with that? Because if you're okay with that, you stay in the attic and you eat your bread and butter and come outside and tell the story that you're this starving, painful artist and everything hurts. Or you could be that. And mm-hmm. admit that you want people to see your work. So then if you want people to see your work, do you want to make a living from that? Would you like people to see your work and affirm you, not only by saying, oh my God, your work is great, but also allow you to eat, literally, right, mm-hmm. through your work. So you could want to do your work as a creative and still go to work at Target and be okay with that. You could be okay with that. But if not... Most of us want to do our creative work and really, really would like to do that only. So it makes sense to me that since we're human beings and we need to pay bills and get it going, why not consider making yourself a business? The other thing is none of us like to think of us, ourselves as a product, right? Branding, branding, we think of jeans, we think of restaurants, right. we think of, you know, we think of... Um, yeah, just we, we think of more tangible things a lot of the time, right? To brand yourself means you have to look at your skill. You may have a skill that's maybe art, maybe it's graphic design, and you may have to look at the product. You may have to... So, okay, for example, being a film producer to me is a service-based thing, right? It is, right? Being a cameraman is a little bit different but again, it's service. If, if I don't show up with uh-huh. the camera, then something's not going to be filmed. Yes, you could put it on a tripod, but you kind of still need a cameraman. These are all service-based things in my mind, positions. Uh-huh. It's kind of hard to think of how to brand right. a service. It's easy to think of branding uh, a product, right? It, the, the output of it, it's easier to brand. The actual right. service. So I think that is when people get a little confused, like, Okay, so I'm the service then. 
And so how am I branding me? I recently had to do that with kind of recognizing how was I showing myself on social media? Were people understanding Motivate Art? Motivate Art is Jennifer. But I had, truthfully, I call myself an agency because I do hire people to do certain things if you're working with me. But essentially, Motivate Art is me. You're going to meet me. I'm going to talk to you. We're going to talk about your goals. I'm going to inspire you. I'm going to be your cheerleader. But it's Mm -hmm. me. So when you went to my Instagram, what was my Instagram saying about Motivate Art? It had to be saying something about me. So I put out this campaign called My Brand Is, and then I put the pictures of me with a lot of people and hugging my my clients and meeting some celebrities and um, you know looking at the, the the messages that I send out because I am a service based business. I have to brand myself. I am I am because I've decided that what I bring to the table has value. So my service has a monetary value. And I don't feel any less for that. I'm not confused about that anymore. It is, it is a funny place to be, but I recognize that I'm like, okay, now when you're working with me, you're not only going to get this great energy, but you're going to get someone who's a hardworking administrator for you. So you're going to get the output of, you're going to get that physical output. I'm, I'm putting sweat equity into you and that has a value. We have to be okay with saying we're the service. Mm-hmm. I am the business. And my brand is, as a film producer, it might be you are mostly concerned with social activism. You may be mm-hmm. so only concerned with nature. You may be concerned with erotica. You, whatever that is, that's your brand. What's your brand? When you go into a room and people like you and they see that you're hardworking and you tend to make everything flow easy, that's your brand. You that's and people. It, it's easy if you look at yourself and decide. Well, what am, what am I bringing to the table? If I'm the service, then it's me. So who am I? And what am I bringing to the table to you? And why should you buy into that? Because when I come into your business and I come in and I'm doing the film shoot and I'm the PA on the film shoot to the makeup artist on the film shoot to the producer, you're going to understand my brand from the people that I hire to the energy on the set, to the output, the way it's edited, mm-hmm. that's going to be my look to, to, to how it's marketed, who I marketed with. That's all your brand. You know, it's, it's who you are. It really is. And, and I think people just have a, creative people. It's, I hear a lot of creative people saying, you know, my brain doesn't work like that. I'm like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, I've had people say to me, I like working with you. You're very cold. And I laugh because I'm not cold. I just know how to stop being emotional mm-hmm. and turn on the business end of it. Cause the business end is also part of the creative and that's where I'm good at it. So creative people feel a little uncomfortable right. um, not coming from an emotion, passion place. I think it comes natural for me to be able to help other people like, hey, this is your business. This is what you need to do. But what stuck out to me is when you said it's hard for us to monetize something that's a service because that's what I look at. Like, this is a service. Like, so how do I then connect the dots for you to pay me for something I feel like is a service, like not tangible. Like you can go pick up a purse and buy it for me, but this is my art. 
So I think that's just something that we have to get out of our mind that, no, we are a business and we need to function that way. So with that being said, tell us what services you offer and how you can make us better. Um, so initially when I started Motivate Art, it was about support, you know, and I, I myself, again, in terms of branding myself, found that my ability to help people is the, is the, is the main, it's like this, it's like the spine of everything I do. It's just been something I'm good at. Um, I tend to be very intuitive about people and meeting people and building confidence. But the core of what I do is organizing. I organize people's dreams, make them into goals, create action plans. And then um, it's about like strategically getting those goals accomplished um, in whatever way that we need to. So I consider myself an arts administrator and an arts consultant. So I work with people and organizations to first find out what their vision is. What is it that you want to do as an individual and an organization? A lot of people have uh, blocks immediately. Most people say to me, not individuals do this. They'll say, well, I really, really want to do a fashion show, but I I don't think that's going to happen. And I'll go, okay, so why would you negate what you really want to do? Because a lot of people do that. So we really, initially when I meet people, it's about getting that out of the way. Don't tell me what you think you want to do. Tell me what you want to do and don't tell me how you don't, how you think it's not going to happen. Because if you tell me what you're going to do, my job is to then get the details of that. What is it that you want to do? How do you want to do it? What's your ultimate goal? Then I organize those thoughts because the truth is creative folks, and and I am generalizing, but the truth is Mm -hmm. creative folks tend to think in um, like, like, uh, like shotguns, like there's different ideas. And if you do this and that and this, so I tend to pull all those things together and I write them down and then I start showing the potential client, well, this is what you could do. And this is what's not realistic. This could be a short-term thing. This will probably end up being a long-term thing. And then I write out an action plan for them. Um, in terms of organizations, it's the same thing, except I might actually be the doer. So a lot of the clients, I tend to be the person doing something. So you need to figure out a marketing plan. I'm going to get a marketing plan together. You need to hire some DJs. I'm going to work out sourcing some DJs. You could pick some DJs. Um, it's whatever the goal is. I tend to just make it more cohesive for people and organizations um, so that it can be manif- actually manifested. Carolyn Butts is the founder of Real Sisters Film Festival. Uh, this year was their 20th anniversary. She's been doing it for 20 years. And yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, and she focuses on um, films by women of the diaspora. Mm-hmm. So of the African diaspora. diaspora. So essentially, as long as the it has to be woman-oriented or oriented in terms of the, the crew of it, the production of it, um, it doesn't have to be a woman-centric uh, um, film or production in terms of you know what the creative is, but it's it has to come from uh, a woman who is of, of African descent in some way and, and part of the African diaspora. So 
it's been amazing to be a film coordinator because she has um, a reach that is international. So as the coordinator, I see all of the films come in and I end up after the judging, et cetera, I end up being the person that interacts with these folks, let's say via email most of the time, sometimes via phone. But there's people in London who send in films. There's people in India. There's, um, uh, you know, there have definitely been some people from Africa who have sent in films. Her reach has really been expansive. Um, and she has a very solid following uh, of people um, in especially Brooklyn and Harlem because she's based in Brooklyn. Um, her offices are in Harlem, but it, it Real Sisters is a, it's a Brooklyn-born uh, company. And so every year that I think she's expanding more and more. So what is next for you? I'm down here in Florida <laughs> and I am getting to know, I've been putting myself out there and introducing myself to various arts organizations, arts and culture organizations down here. I've met, um, I've met a few people, uh, one is Kathleen Dean. She's a producer for something called the 48 hour film project, which is something really interesting and very cool. You should check it out too. All of you should check this out. And it's, they have various satellites in many different countries. So basically they, um, they, I think there's a theme essentially, <laughs> and they put out what the theme is and you have 48 hours and, and a, a couple of other things. Like they may say that your 48 hour mm -hmm. project has to include a popsicle. I think she told me that was like one thing. So it could be a documentary. It could be a short, it could be animated, it could be anything, but it must take 48 hours. They've been doing this for mm -hmm. several years as well. It's very successful. And, um, it sounds so interesting. I'm hoping I get to work with her um, at some point. So she is the producer in Florida, in Hollywood, Florida specifically. That's where she's based. And um, I had the pleasure of meeting her. It's it's been interesting because while I've been here, I've met I've met many people. I think purely because I've put myself out there. And so I'll say that as well. I think depending mm -hmm. on where you are, for me, mm -hmm. being in New York has always been New York has been my home. Still is my home. And I think I got lethargic. I think I started right. to feel a little bit invisible because in New York, there's so many creatives. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it, it happens with all of us. Like, you know, you start feeling like everybody's doing what you want to do. Right. And so how do you stand out? And I'll say that since I've been here, I am unique. And you must think of yourself as unique. I always say this. You can get another person to do the job, but you won't get a Jennifer. Like, and I understand the value, and it's not an obnoxious thing to say, but you may hire another so-and-so, but you're never going to get the creative outsiders and what they bring. And if you think like that, then you kind of put yourself out there, like no matter what, I shine and I'm going to win. So I would like to, for you to meet me. That's how I am. And so I've been meeting some really great people who've shared contacts with me and shared of themselves, and hopefully it will lead to projects and um, and other things. But for now, I'm I'm trying to get into the arts and culture scene down here, figure out how it works. Every place has its own politics, literally and figuratively, just so everybody knows. So you know, being creative as well. Don't be too naive. You know, mm -hmm. things function in a certain way business industries function in a certain way. Um, 
states function in a certain way. You know, like there's a way that you get grants. There's people that you should be networking with. There's a hierarchy, even in freelancing, even entrepreneurial hierarchy, you know, that you have to get, put, place yourself in, place yourself where you want to be. And if, if you want your documentary to be seen or your film to be seen, or you want to start a production company, start liaising and networking with those people that can help you make that happen, or you can learn from them. So that's what I'm doing. I'm putting myself out there and, and trying to learn more and be open. The, um, I, I think the naiveness about me is a quality that I like. Mm-hmm. I do get hurt in business. I don't like shadiness. I don't like the politics a lot of the time. But I have to tell everybody, like, it is part of the game and you must understand the game. You could critique the game all day on the outside and not get in anywhere, but you must understand that you have to put your foot in. You got to put your foot in the water. And as long as you know whatever it is most important to you, whether it's your integrity, your morality, know that, but know you that you have to engage. Like you cannot sit in your house and talk about what you want to do. It's not, you got to just plunge yourself you got to just do it. And then everything else you will attract. Some will be good and some will be bad. And, and the bad shows you how to navigate, you know, so absolutely you can do it. Don't get age, mess you up. None of that stuff. Right. Don't fear is meant to move you. If you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. So just jump. I have nothing to lose. That's how I think. I have nothing. What else is there? What am I, what am I going to do? Like, this is who I am, right? I'm a creative person who also loves doing business, love helping people. This is my gift. I have to do it. So you got to do it. You know, like there's nothing, that's always what I say. Like, what are you going to do? Like, if you don't do this thing you really want to do, what are you going to do? Right? It's like, you're going to keep talking about it. Well, nobody, after a while, people are like, ah, or snore. Nobody believes you anymore. Nobody believes in you. You got to jump. People respect that. And there's no show that I'm like such a fan of that I have to watch it. This is the most compelling writing that I have seen in such a long time. The actors are amazing. The, the, the storylines where they're going every single week, I, I'm, I'm bawling because I, I can feel it. It's so good. So yes, this is us. I am Me a too. person who likes watching um, contest shows. Like I do love Project Runway. I used to watch Top Chef a lot. I think I watch them. I always analyze like, why do you watch them? I watch them because I like watching people overcome their fear, you know, to be yeah. able to be able to compete with strangers on high mm-hmm. pressure situations and still like come through. I love watching that, you know, and watching the dynamic. Like when you watch a project one way, you see some stuff, you see some, you can, when you watch those shows, you see the coldness of people, you see strategy, you see, you know, I love watching where I'm like, Oh, this is strategy. This is how you maneuver in this. And then what I'm reading, actually, I just purchased um, a book on arts management, you know, because I think it's always good to always, um, I can't remember the title. Truthfully, I found it on Amazon. I have been very lax in reading since the internet and social media. I don't really read books anymore. And then I just realized like, I need to really um, amp up my, my information. Like I know what I'm doing, but it's always good to know what's trending. It's always good to get information from other people who have been extremely successful doing what you want to do, um, following people's you know, the truth is you, there's no need to reinvent the wheel. 
right? I think sometimes creatives as well, we tend to fall into that thing. We want to do everything new and cool and we want to put our stamp on it. And I think sometimes that gets in our way too. Some things you don't have to, to redo. You can put your spin on it, which will make it unique, but some things you don't have to redo. So I'm studying um, just arts management. It's written by this gentleman who has been hired to go into huge um, arts and culture organizations and nonprofits and to turn them around when they're failing. And that's what I do. So um, I'm really excited to read this book and it's very, okay. So my website is motivateart.com. That's M-O-T-I-V-A-T-E-A-R-T.com. I'm on Facebook at Motivate One, the number one. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. It's at Motivate Art. Um, I am on Google Plus and all of that, but I truthfully don't engage with that. I am on Twitter, but truthfully, I don't engage with that so much either. I think follow me on Instagram and Facebook would be great. You can also email me at motivateart at gmail.com. Um, support me in terms of following me. Um, please email me if you have any questions. I, I Absolutely, I'm open to offering free 30-minute consultations with people. I do find that working with artists and creatives um, is a very reciprocal thing for me. There's a lot of reciprocity in that. I believe in reciprocity. And I'm so glad that you decided to tune in today. I hope that you learned a lot, you took notes, and you know my motto now, it's time for you to get out there and do it. Don't just sit and think about it. And I want to say thank you again, Jennifer, for being on the show. I'm so glad that you were able to come and share some wonderful gems with us.